Are you troubled by pop culture references you don't understand? Does trying to figure out a good jumping on point in a long-running comic series keep you up at night? Have you or your friends or family seen a comic book-based movie, TV show, or cartoon and not known what was going on? If the answer is yes, then this is the podcast for you. My Big Fat Pull List. Our assembly of knowledgeable hosts are eager to help answer all your comic book-based pop culture questions. We're ready to geek out with you! The Kree-Skrull War. The star-spanning saga that laid the groundwork for New Avengers Illuminati, Young Avengers, Secret Invasion, and more Marvel history in the making. Annihilus. Ronan the Accuser. The Super Scroll and alien fleets have targeted Earth, and the Avengers must defy them all, if they can avoid being shot down by their own government first. Filled with hidden Inhumans history, the origin of Captain Marvel, and guest starring the Fantastic Four, Nick Fury, Shield, Hank Pym, The Wasp, and Carol Danvers. Strap in as we revisit this classic epic in Marvel Comics history on this episode of my Big Fat Pull List. Greeting geeks and geekettes, I am Mr. X. I'm Smurfy. And I'm Pistol Danger. And boy, do we have an episode for you. We are revisiting the Marvel classic, The Kree Scroll War. Now, the reason why we're actually revisiting this classic story is because of the film Captain Marvel. Now, Captain Marvel, the film, is all about Carol Danvers. But originally in the comic books, there was a male version of Captain Marvel first. Of course, there was always a male version. This one was was Kree-born. He was an alien. Actually called Captain Marvel with a dash. With a, there was a dash there, but uh, people mistook how he was pronouncing his name, and they were just, "Oh, so you're Captain Marvel?" Mm-hmm. Okay. First impressions of the story. Now, this was all of our first time reading this. Some of us only read it once. Some of us got to read it a couple of times. Pistol, why don't you go first? Tell us your first impression of reading this story. Well, if I'm being completely honest, it's it's definitely a throwback to that style. It's a lot of spokenness, like spoken. I'm going to go do this, this, and this. Well, then I'll do this, this, and this. It was a lot, and this is going to sound weird, and I don't mean it as such, but like it's a lot wordier than it was necessary. But mm. that was the time of writing in the 70s. And I also had a lot of great one-liners and a lot of great moments. Uh, but overall, I felt this should have been a concise story that was four to five issues. Because I think in the intro, when you said guest starring, I think you were very generous when you say guest starring, when you include the Fantastic Four, S.H.I.E.L.D., Carol Danvers, the Super Scroll, and the Nile. Well, I'll argue with that one because uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. does play a fairly important role. But, like, the Fantastic I mean, Four are more flashbacks. So... And not even flashbacks, and yeah, not like even a, really the Fantastic more, Four. Right. But of course, we don't we don't want to spoil well, anything right. until we get to the story. I, I agree with you. It's uh, it's dated. It is oh, a very man. dated story because yes, it is it, it is a story from the the early seventies, and this was the way that comic books were told. It, it was the way that they were presented. 
this is considered like the first major event to happen in Marvel Comics, not counting the coming of Galactus because that was only two issues. Silver Surfer shows up, beware, Galactus is coming. And knock, then knock, he's here. The next issue is, he's here, and oh, you defeated him. Oh, okay, good. Okay, good bye-bye. Yeah. Bye. He's here, and he's in gym shorts. <laughs> All right. This was, this was the first time that we actually have a, a, a big kind of issue-spanning event where the Avengers are concerned. And I can, I can tell what they were trying to do back then. But yes, there it was very wordy, and it probably, if you trim the fat on this story, probably could have been told in four or five issues, instead of nine. Smurfy, what did you think? It was an awesome 70s acid trip. <laughs> like, I mean, by that, like, as you're reading it, remember, it was written in the 70s, so it had that style, like, it always rem- reminds me of, like, The Simpsons when Bart's reading first issue of Radioactive Man, uh-huh, where it's like, yeah. oh, no, the sky is falling, Shazam, it hit us. Like, right, right. you're reading, you can literally read, like... Thump, thump, giant pink letters on, like, the pages, you know? And they're like, it is I, Thor, who will smash you with my hammer as I throw the hammer, mm. type stuff. So, it's just, to me, it was silly. But that's the way they did it back then. So, it was also old school, which was also kind of cool. The, the one thing that I like to point out to listeners is classic comic books are also just like classic literature. Yeah. It, some of the stuff is ha- kind of hard to get through because of the way things are worded in classic literature. But it still doesn't diminish it, the impact of what the story is. This was epic. Oh yeah, it, they the Avengers went everywhere. It was a roller coaster ride, just not a roller coaster ride we're used to, where modern comic book storytelling is concerned. But still, an interesting read. Oh, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it. It was good. But I'm saying you could tell it's seventy style, right? Just also cool though. To the audience. Have you read the Crease Scroll War? If so, what are your thoughts on the story? Let us know by heading over to our Facebook presence at facebook.com forward slash MYBFPL. Strike up a conversation with us and share your thoughts on the Crease Scroll War. Story setup. Now, I figure since this is an older story, I want to give the listeners a little uh, little heads up on who's actually in this. Because you can say the Avengers, and some people will think, oh, well, the Avengers from the movie. So so it's the, the, those characters. Or maybe... The, or the new Avengers, Wolverine. Well, right, those the new either. Avengers. No. So there have been several different rosters of the Avengers. So just uh, real quickly, we're going to run through who the Avengers are during the Kree-Skrull War. We've got the Vision. We've got Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch. So, you know, we've got two mutant characters. Way to go. We have Goliath. Some people may think Goliath is another version of Giant Man, which you would be right. But this version of Goliath is actually none other than Clint Barton. So not Bill. The man. No, not Bill Barton. Right. No, no, no. You mean Bill Foster. Yeah, not Bill Foster. Right. right. <laughs> from from well, some man and might, the Wasp. Yes. yes. Some people might associate. No, this is movie. Clint Barton. This was uh, Hawkeye. Wasn't Hawkeye for a little while. Hawkeye started taking some growing juice and was known as the high-pocketed hero Goliath. We also have Rick Jones, the honorary Avenger slash sidekick. The token Avenger. (laughs) Wow. Okay. We also have the mighty Thor, Iron Man, and Captain America. At this time in the comic books, there were a handful of character stories running through as well. Uh, a lot of people know that the Scarlet Witch and the Vision are in love with each other because of the films. Right. Well, guess what? 
That starts in this story. The whole attraction between the two characters starts in the Kree Scroll War story. Also, at this point in time, Barton is he's actually dealing with a lot of emotional baggage because he had just ended a relationship with Natasha Romanoff, the Black Widow. He's having some hard times uh, dealing with that, especially working with women, mm-hmm. because being around women just makes him think of Scarlet Witch. Uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, Black Widow. Yeah, yeah ex- sorry, Black Widow. Yeah, yeah, Black my Widow. Bad. My bad. We know who you're thinking about. Being around Scarlet Witch reminds him of Black Widow. There's where my brain was going. <laughs> it's not where it connected it. One of the more interesting things is that this is still part of the continuity where Tony Stark has not revealed to the world that he is Iron Man. Iron Man is Tony Stark's bodyguard. Yeah, the bodyguard is like so. He always refers to yeah, my boss Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. Right. Wink, wink. <laughs> to understand the story, it is it, it relies heavily on two specific characters. One of them is Rick Jones, and the other one is Captain Marvel. So we're going to take some time right now, and we're going to let you know who the hell are these characters. <laughs> Rick Jones first uh, appeared in The Incredible Hulk number 1 back in May of 1962. Now, Rick Jones lost his parents at a young age and uh, grew up an orphan. As a teenager, he accepts a dare to drive out to a bomb testing site in New Mexico. Now, this site is active, and a gamma bomb is being tested. And, and Rick is saved from this blast by Dr. Bruce Banner, but that causes Banner to become the Incredible Hulk. Now, this makes Rick the only one who knows that the Hulk's real identity is Bruce Banner. Rick's guilt over causing the incident leads him to stay close to Banner, becoming uh, sort of the Hulk's sidekick. And as the Hulk's rage grew with uh, each transformation, uh, Rick uh, had to start keeping his distance for safety purposes. Now, later on, Rick forms a team called the Teen Brigade, which is a loose network of teenagers with ham radios. Just to let everybody know, ham radios, they're not radios, they're not walkie-talkies, they're not cell phones. It's, it's the progression backwards. It's what people use to communicate along far distances without having to dial up Ma Bell. Before internet. Very, very before right, the internet. very before internet. Ask your parents about ham radios. Or you know what? We're actually going to put a link in the show notes to this episode of what a ham radio is so everybody can be informed. <clears throat> but uh, the, the Teen Brigade is a loose network of teenagers with ham radios throughout the United States that report on superhero battles and, and if there's trouble going on. Now, this uh, Teen Brigade played a role in the formation of the original Avengers when the Norse god Loki tampered with the Teen Brigade's radio transmissions. Originally, the Team Brigade were trying to get a hold of the Fantastic Four to let them know that the Hulk was on a rampage. But because of Loki, the transmission went to Iron Man, Ant-Man, Wasp, and Thor. And of course, you know, together they formed the Mighty Avengers. After the Hulk's departure from the team, uh, Rick became an honorary Avenger. Or as Pistol would like to say, the token Avenger. Mm Mm-hmm. He doesn't have power. He doesn't have a, a giant metal suit. He doesn't have super soldier suit. He's just a dude that's there so they can be like, hey, look at our normie friend, okay? Hey, he has heart. I'm not wrong here. He has heart and gumption, well, sir. After the Hulk's departure from the team, 
Rick becomes an honorary Avenger, and he becomes close with the recently revived Captain America. Although he feels guilty about Banner and the Hulk being out in the wind, Rick leaves the team to go search for him. Captain America saves Rick's life from one of the Hulk's rampages and, in a sense, becomes Captain America's sidekick. Captain America trains him to be able to defend himself, and and Rick actually goes by the Bucky persona for for a short period of time. Now, of course, Captain America kind of weirded out by that, and Rick gets a little tired of Captain America's ego and always neglecting him, so Rick leaves the Avengers, and through a twist of fate and intergalactic chance, he ends up joining up with the Kree Captain Marvel when he finds himself drawn to the mystical Nega Bands. Now, donning the bands, he's immediately linked to Captain Marvel. And once joined, one of the two remains in a protective bubble in the negative zone. And after one of them strikes the Nega Bands together, or three hours pass, the two switch places. So Rick and Marvel go on various adventures, encountering many different heroes, leading them to their involvement in the Kree Skrull War. But isn't it that Rick actually stays in the universe and it's Marvel that can only be out for three hours at a time and then he's sucked back? It's not three hours switch, three hours switch, three hours switch. It's Rick Jones is until he strikes the bands and then Marvel shows up, then the clock starts. So that's my question because what was if like Rick's down the toilet? Is <laughs> that the three hour mark hits? Uh oh. Transformation. I'm now Captain Marvel on the toilet. Right. That's <laughs> awkward for everybody. So, who is Captain Marvel? Or, as most of us just say, Captain Marvel, because we're lazy. Well, he first appeared in Marvel Superheroes number 12 in December of 1967. So, head on over to your local comic shop and dig through all those bins, buddy. After the Kree's first modern day encounter with humans, Captain Marvel is sent to spy on Earth and decides whether or not it's a threat to the Kree Empire, but occasionally dons his Kree military uniform to protect the people he's observing. Because if they die, well, he can't really observe them, can he? The first time he does this, uh, people kind of think they hear what he says his name is. They think he says Captain Marvel. Just one word, no extra L, no hyphen, Captain Marvel. But that's not his name. It's Captain Marvel. His job is made increasingly difficult by his jealous commanding officer, Colonel Jan Rog his growing affection for humanity, and his fake identity's criminal's past, which is something he probably should have looked into when he took on that name. Yeah, Whoops. After aiding humanity several times, Marvell is found guilty of treason against the Kree Empire and sentenced to death by firing squad, Ouch. which is a little archaic for the, for the Kree, but, I mean, I guess it works. Well, it's a firing squad uh, with lasers, so, I mean, it's not like it's bullets. Lasers. lasers. <laughs> Thank you, that's where I was going. Uh, well, Marvel escapes in a stolen rocket, but becomes lost in space. And after drifting for over a hundred days, he is weak and on the verge of madness, as we would all be after a hundred days without anything. Yeah. He is manipulated by Ronan the Accuser and the Kree Minister Zarek into helping them overthrow the Intelligence Supreme, which is a whole thing that we're just not going to get into. But it's, Essentially, it's like all the smartest dead Kree combined into one entity. One giant floating green head creature, yeah. Very complicated. 
To better help them, Marvell is given a brand new costume, enhanced abilities, and after the conspiracy is foiled, Marvell tries to return to Earth, but on the way he's hit by a blast of radiation that traps him in the negative zone. There's a lot of radiation just floating out there in space. Apparently. That, that, that tends to mess with people's days. Cosmic rays, rays everywhere. Don't go yeah. to outer space, folks. Don't go to outer space. It is not the final frontier. Yeah. It's death. Yeah, we haven't even fully explored our ocean. Stay here. <laughs> right, right. The Intelligence Supreme enables Marvell to telepathically contact Rick Jones. He leads Jones to the, uh, the previously mentioned set of Negaband, that is an abandoned Creed base. And the rest is what you know. When Jones puts the bands on and strikes them together, he trades place with Marvell for three hours, or until he hits the bands again, and is encased in a protective aura in the negative zone, which is kind of a good thing, because there's a lot of bad shit in there. That's why it's called the negative zone, and not the, oh, look, all the ice cream flavors I could want, though. You don't want to walk alone <laughs> in the negative zone. In the words of Clark Griswold, roll them up. Roll them up. <laughs> roll them up. <laughs> Using this method, the two started a partnership that leads them to the Kree-Skrull-Wolf. It's just like Lethal Weapon. Exactly. <laughs> but not. Exactly like Lethal Weapon. <laughs> the Kree-Skrull-War. Now, this story takes place in the Avengers Volume 1, number 89, which came out in June of 1971, and it goes through Avengers Volume 197, which came out in March of 1972. So it's a nine-issue story arc, which was written by Roy Thomas with art from Sal Buscema, Neil Adams, and John Buscema. Issue 89, The Only Good Alien. The start of the story deals with threads from Captain Marvel's comic uh, regarding the Kree. Marvel knows he must find a way to break free from the negative zone, so he switches with Rick and heads to the Fantastic Four's headquarters so that he can open a portal to the negative zone so that he can then get Rick out as well. He has to sever that, that whole tie thing so that he can get back to the Kree Empire. Despite the involvement of a nihilist trying to escape, both Rick and Marvell are free from the negative zone. Unfortunately, all the time spent in the negative zone has bombarded Marvell with deadly radiation that could destroy the Earth if left unchecked. The Avengers and Rick track Marvell down, subdue him, and take him to a military base with equipment to drain the radiation. Now, with Vision's help, the process is a success. But from across the stars, Ronan the Accuser has taken control of the Kree Empire from the Intelligence Supreme and orders a deadly android called the Sentry, uh, conveniently located at the same military base, to kill Marvell. Now, side note: <clears throat> when it says Avengers, it is just Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, and the Vision. Yes, uh, it's just the three of just them. The three of them. Uh, th- they were the only ones home when uh, <laughs> when, the, when the knock on the door came. It was like, uh, excuse me, we need some Avengers. Uh, well, there's just the three of us here. Uh, I guess we're free. Well, <laughs> I guess you'll do right. <laughs> But like when when I was reading it, I mean I don't know about you guys, but at that point I was like, where where is everyone else? Like, did you guys did the studio have enough money to afford three Avengers? Like, you know, I was like, what? What? Yeah. And these aren't even the three like popular ones. Like, it is, is a little confusing at the, the, the beginning of the story. It's right. like these are these are our Avengers. I right. hope we get more later on. Right. The two big world enders, Annihilus and the radiation that could destroy the world, are pretty much wrapped up in a page. 
like, here's these two huge things on their own, and all right, they're over. Not, not, only, right. not only the page, you're like, he is radiating with radiation. We zapped with more radiation. It got rid of it. I'm like, what? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, no, we're cool now. It was good radiation. Yeah, so, right. You know, it balances <laughs> right. out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Number 90, Judgment Day. The Avengers try to fight the Sentry robot, but it's just too powerful. The android gets new orders and vanishes with Captain Marvel. Before the Avengers can leave the base, Carol Danvers, head of the base's security, needs to be filled on the uh, the situation because, you know, she has uh, paperwork to fill out. A report must be filed. And you gotta I love you, that little bit. You gotta you gotta love paperwork, baby. She's like, Avengers, stop saving the earth. Answer questions so I can fill out my paperwork correctly. <laughs> Don't forget to fill out your I ninety seven forms. And I have to ask the same questions to all three of you, Avengers. All right. Right. And she took it form. As the Avengers head back to their mansion, uh, Rick gives them a watered down history of the Kree's involvement with ancient Earth. And some of the history of Captain Marvel himself. So the side note for that that uh, Cree history involvement, the Cree are responsible for messing around with the DNA of ancient man, which resulted in the creation of the Inhumans. The Cree wanted to use the Inhumans as soldiers in their war against their enemies throughout the universe, but because their powers were so unpredictable. They wrote them off as a failed experiment and kind of just left Earth alone for, well, centuries. I think there's a theme with Marvel. They're like, we are going to create the ultimate soldier. Fail, 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 fail. Succeeded. Fail, 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 fail. Well, I mean, it's it's everywhere, too. It's not just right. Earth. Oh, because no, right. other but I'm alien saying, races want to right. create the ultimate Every, soldier. And the 70s is like, what's the most important thing? The ultimate soldier. Ultimate soldier. soldier. Mm-hmm, that's it. And so you get most for heroes. Now, upon arriving at the mansion, they receive a video message from Goliath. There's some trouble in Alaska where uh, Hank and Janet Pym are helping with a research team. Now, for those who don't know, Hank and Janet Pym are the heroes, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Side note, he's going by Yellow Jacket in this. Right, true. Well, so, Hank Pym ha-ha. has had several Many, right. different identities, identities, uh, superhero identities. Hank and Janet are, are actually helping uh, with a research team up in uh, Alaska and Goliath is heading that way because there's some trouble. Now, naturally, the other Avengers race out as well. Seems the issue in Alaska is dire, with a section of the cold and ice transformed into a primitive Earth jungle. Now, Hank Pym, as Yellow Jacket, has gone to find the missing scientists and is now missing himself. Goliath arrives, gets the scoop from Janet, and leaves her behind and heads into the jungle getting attacked by a big, giant animal and captured by Ronan and the Sentry. The Avengers arrive, and Janet leads them into the jungle when they're attacked by the Sentry and a brainwashed Goliath. Now, Ronan, deep below in an ancient Kree base, monologues to Marvel about his plan to de-evolve the entire planet, turning the human race back into amoebas. Uh, Janet is knocked away from the main fight and lands in the clutches of her de-evolved husband, Caveman Pym. And to give you an idea of this land, this land is very Savage Land-like. Like Caveman. Man, well, right. uh, you know, saber-toothed tigers, woolly right. mammoths, stuff like that. Ice Age stuff. Things, there you go, yeah. Things, things around but, the I mean, Ice the way age. they drew it, it looked very savage and like lots of... 
forests and vines and big trees. If they did not put in the fact that, hey, this is an area just off the coast of Alaska, right? you would, think you would have thought that we savage were in the land. Savage right. Land. Yeah. <laughs> the diet Savage Land. <laughs> not savage enough. Right. We're forgetting another key moment is what? when Hank Pym backhands his wife off a dragonfly to save her life. All right. You know what? I'm looking. I am actually looking <laughs> yeah, at we're... the page right now. I have my trade opened up. I am looking at it. It's a bad And game. it's supposed to be a shove to mm-hmm. safety. It's not, though. And it does look like he knocked her across the head. But in in Marvel comic history, Hank did have uh, some mental instability issues and was responsible for a handful of domestic abuse charges against Janet. The funny thing is, is that she's flying on her own. He's on the dragonfly. He grabs her, puts her on the dragonfly, and then knocks her out. Right. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it is a little redundant. It's almost like, <laughs> like wow. you know what? I've got an opportunity to hit my wife. <laughs> I'm going to take it. Yeah. I'm going to take it and just say there's no time to explain. Right. <laughs> Number 91. Take one giant step backward. Vision and Scarlet Witch are taken prisoner by the Sentry, while Rick and Quicksilver have strategically retreated. Vision and Wanda almost share a kiss <gasps> while in captivity, but logic wins the day. No, I, I mustn't. Not- I, I must not give in to these non-androidy feelings. Janet is rescued by Caveman Pym from the de-evolved scientists, while Pietro and Rick break into Ronan's base. Chaos ensues, and the base is badly damaged, causing the de-evolution ray to stop. Before Ronan can throw the beat down on the Avengers, he receives a transmission informing him the Kree galaxy is at war with the Skrull Empire. Ronan teleports out, leaving both the base and the Sentry android uh, to be destroyed. The Avengers all escape along with the scientists. Because of his uselessness, Hank decides to retire permanently from the Avengers. And because she's married to him, Janet goes with him. And the team wonders, what will happen next? My favorite part, and I've got my trade open, is the exact quote the android gives for being like the supreme intelligence sentry. And here it goes. The master is gone, but he did not program me to save myself did not program me for any action. And so the android, who is currently whipping the Avengers' ass right now, just stands there and dies because no one said, hey, walk 20 feet to the right (laughs) and don't get dragged down. He was not programmed for self-preservation. Well, see, that's the thing. For, For a highly sophisticated intergalactic android... The programming sucks. Yeah, well, you know what it is? He didn't yeah. technically, he never had free thinking ability. There wasn't really any AI. They gave him a command and he did it. So no one's giving him commands. He's just going to sit there like a robot and take it. Do you it. think any, any programming would have some sort of self preservation program? No. Yeah. Well, I mean, the simple fact that the, the android is cognizant enough to actually lament about, well, I could have saved myself. But I'm not programmed that way, and nobody has told me to save myself, so I'm just going to take it and die. He theoretically didn't have what we would now consider to be artificial intelligence. Semi-artificial? Yeah, because it pretty much was like you give it a command and it does it, like a computer. 
A computer is not going to be like, oh, here comes the lightning. Better power myself down to save myself. A computer is just like, I'm on to tell me to turn off. I was like, oh, so it's not really a, it's not vision. There's no artificial intelligence. Right. It's, it's, not, just, no, it's, it's a machine. Right. It's just a robot. Built for war, built for yep. destruction. Right. And we're running gone. It was just like, well, uh oh. But on that note, earlier when it first shows up, it's like, I'm here to kill Captain Marble. Please stand aside. And <laughs> I won't have to hurt you. That was his like, command. It doesn't have a programming to say that. It just. No, that that was the command. Go kill Captain Marvel and no one else. So he was just like, if you're not Captain no. Marvel, Galloway. The command was go kill Captain Marvel and anyone who stands behind him. I oh. think we're getting too technical about this Android. We are. Ability. We are. We're getting no, we are. deep. Sorry, I didn't mean really to go. Deep. I didn't mean to dive into that wormhole. Sorry. Just Especially for a know. character that is, is gone <laughs> and doesn't gone, show yeah. up anymore for the rest of the story. <laughs> That's true. I forgot about I mean, that. <laughs> he's, just, he's an afterthought. In fairness to the century, though, he has more screen time than Annihilus, the Fantastic Four, and Carol Danvers has in this whole story. Issue 92, All Things Must End? So the Avengers try to decompress from their latest exploits, but to no avail. Jarvis rushes in with newspapers saying that the scientists from the Alaskan research team have informed the government all about the Kree aliens and what they attempted to do, despite the Avengers warning them against it. Stupid scientists. Yeah. Like, they told him, like, hey, guys, if you keep it quiet, everything will be cool. And the well, scientists yeah, were like, we blabbed. Keep it quiet. Yeah. We'll investigate. Exactly. And they do the they exact opposite. They blabbed. They're like, no, no, no. It'll be better if we just tell you guys the truth. And then, like, even later on, the scientists both go, whoops. We oh, yeah, they regret the Avengers. it. They, they yeah. do regret it later on in yeah. the story. They're yes. like, oh, God. The television is turned on just in time to see a report showing H. Warren Craddock, newly appointed head of the Alien Activities Commission. <laughs> what an awesome. The AAC. The AAC's here. Ack. Yeah. Uh, Craddock is taking a hard stance on alien spies hiding among us and plans on getting answers from the Avengers and their quote unquote friend Captain Marvel. Tensions flare when trying to decide if Marvell should turn himself in for questioning or if he should hide at the mansion. All Marvell wants to do is help stop the war his people are engaged in. Before anything is decided, Carol Danvers arrives in a helicopter that stalls just above the mansion. What are the odds? I, I think the odds are pretty high because it's a comic book. <laughs> that was drawn so awesomely, too. Like, it, 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 it was. Nosedives. It's just like yeah. stalled, nosedive. It's like, oh, hey, everything's yeah. fine. And like, oh, <laughs> crap. Yep. The combined efforts of Captain Marvell and the Vision save Danvers. The mansion has been surrounded by protesters, and as Carol persuades Marvell to come with her to a farmhouse upstate, so, so as she's talking to Marvell about this, shield fighters circle the skies above. Carol and Marvell are allowed to escape because one of those fighters is piloted by none other than Nick Fury himself. Yeah, we get our first cameo of uh, the the director of Shield, who's Nick with him? Fury. Yeah, Who, who's with him? He's he's all about helping the heroes because he knows that okay, sure, I gotta I gotta I get orders, right? And I gotta but, follow those orders, but I don't have to like it. He always finds like. The loophole. The, yeah, the loophole, like between the lines you know, yeah. type stuff. Like, you know what, guys? Technically, I did what you said, sort of. And he even explains that to Dum Dum Dugan, yeah. who's like his co-pilot. Exactly. You know, yeah, what are yeah. we doing, Nick? And he's just like, we're doing orders, sort uh, of. The, but the bare minimum of what our right. orders say. They told us to fly to the Avengers Mansion. They didn't say anything else. <laughs> we're going back home, boys. Pack it up. So, Meanwhile, the Avengers are served a summons to appear in court regarding the alien activity and their connection with Captain Marvell. With testimonies... From Reed Richards and The Thing, along with statements from the de-evolved scientist, the courtroom is a powder keg. Rick suddenly gets a vision that Captain Marvell is in trouble, so he storms out of the courtroom. The Avengers not far behind. 
When the team arrive back at the mansion, it is a dis- it's in disarray, ransacked by none other than the protesters. By uh, none other than the yeah. protesters. Well, who the cause, protesters? Yeah. Well, because there's it's an evil gang. Because even Jarvis, They're like the masters of evil, and then the protesters. Jarvis, pretty much, just like from the movie Hook, is just like <laughs> they came inside. The darkness got me. He's like, and the children were screaming. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's the way. Exactly. Uh, okay. And you know, so you're like who could have done this? None other than the, the protesters. protesters. The hidden villain of this comic strip. Yeah. hmm So Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man arrive, telling the the current team they have failed as Avengers and disbanded them and the team for good. You have failed this city for the last time. For you the are first no, time. For the first what? time, for the last time. <laughs> yeah. You are no longer Avengers. Yeah, uh that issue ju- I mean, for twenty 20- 22 pages, a lot happens. It does. In that issue, and it's kind of like nonstop yep. from page to page. Well, the fact that you're just like, okay, Carol Danvers is here. Oh, the helicopter stalled. Oh, they caught it. Oh, there's fighters in the sky. What? And they're like, oh, they escaped. What? So like, much happens what? so quickly that yeah. you don't have any time to really process anything that's going on. No, you almost got to go back on. and reread it and go, okay, let's let's do a checklist of where all of our characters are. Because I know we skimmed over it, but when the Avengers are, are, are given the summons, they're tricked. Mm-hmm. Into giving the summons, they thought they were breaking up a There's fight. A, yeah, the, the Goliath goes outside to break up a fight, fight and yeah. the guy goes, "Oh well, oh, hey, you're Goliath. Huh? Here you go. You're, you're an Avenger. You're summoned." Yeah, and I'm like, "What? What? Oh, what? Yeah. Like, like off a bad sitcom. That's some balls. Like a bad sitcom. They're right. like, I got you. And Goliath's like, I'm gonna You've kill you too. Served. Excuse me. Snap you in half. Do like you know who you just served? Yeah, Goliath has got I'm served. I'm gonna serve mm-hmm. you this giant right hand. That's exactly. Issue ninety three. This beachhead Earth. Ooh. Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man are surprised by an injured vision busting into Avengers HQ. He pleads for help and collapses to the floor, inactive. Before the heroes can determine Vision's condition, Ant-Man arrives, called to the mansion for a meeting sanctioned by Iron Man. The reasons for this meeting are put on hold to allow Hank to fix Vision. Hank shrinks down, and he and three of his aunts, Crosby, Stills, and Nash... All head inside to investigate. Navigating the androids' insides is dangerous. But after some time, Hank finds the problem and saves Vision. I'm just going to say that was so crazy and kooky, but yet awesome. It is some of the best art I have seen. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, but it's Neil Adams. So, of course, you know, you, you've got some of the best. Right. We're, we're not even bothering to try to describe what happens inside the Vision because it would be a pale, pale comparison. No, you, you have to read it. You actually have to look at this art, folks, so definitely, definitely check out that stuff. Spoiler a little bit. One of the ants gets zapped by a defense protocol in Vision. The, but we're not going to tell you which ant. No, but the way is Ant-Man... It is it Stills? Is it Nash? Someone, it's not Nash. It's not Nash. Someone breaks up the band. And no, like, yes. But the way Ant-Man <laughs> describes that... Like, I actually had feelings for, like, that ant. I was like, man, he's like, have you ever heard an ant cry? I do every time they die. And I'm just like, damn. Like, yeah. that was dark. And, like, you could almost feel like, wow. Like, if that's what Ant-Man has to go through wearing that helmet, it's a little bit stronger than we all think, Well, see, now you can compare that to the movies. Yeah. And, his, and, and Scott Lang's connection to any of the ants yep. that he has. That's what he calls the seagull a murderer. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. that can Anthony. be an eaten. Yeah. yeah Anthony, Anthony, right. Like I said. Hank finds the problem, saves Vision. Ant-Man departs, allowing Vision to speak with the other heroes. Vision accuses them of disbanding the team, yet Cap, Iron Man, and Thor are clueless. Like, they actually have no idea what's going on. Iron Man reveals the nature of the meeting he called, saying his employer, Tony Stark, 
Got a letter from Jarvis wondering why the Avengers were disbanded. Seems treachery is afoot. Yes. Vision explains what happened to him and the others. Trying to track down Rick Jones, the heroes headed to the farmhouse Carol Danvers took Marvell to. The farm was locked up tight, and the heroes have to break in. Goliath heads in a different direction, sparing him from what's next. <laughs> a lot goes on here, too. Vision is attacked by blast from three cows. I'm going to say that again. Let that he sink was- <laughs> in. Vision is attacked by blasts from three moo cows. <laughs> like moo cows, right? I mean, there, there's cows, and you're what? And they go moo. Yeah, they go moo. And they blast you. Yeah, yeah. which I don't want milk anymore. Who suddenly transform into Mr. Fantastic, the Human Torch, and the Thing. As Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are taken by the fake FF, Vision uses what power he has left to phase, float back to the mansion for help. And let me tell you, that art is so crazy because he's literally laying on his back and shoots yeah. through everything he's like just, a yeah. bullet. He's a vision bullet. Right, right. Because even yeah. when he goes to the mansion, he's laying on his back, comes right to the wall, and they're all like, hey, buddy, <laughs> like, yeah. what, what you doing? What's up? <laughs> like, how you doing? So, yeah, it goes back to the mansion. And now that Iron Man, Cap, and Thor are up to date, they head back to the farm with Vision. In a secret craft on the farm, we learn that Marvell and Carol are being held by scrolls. Goliath finds Rick, and they are attacked by the fake FF, who reveal they are the original Skrulls that fought the Fantastic Four shortly after the team was formed. Now, this is Fantastic Woo! Four number two. Yeah, that gets referenced in... Written the- by Stanley, mm-hmm. drawn by Jack Kirby. Right. And in so this that- goes back a bit. Oh, it's going oh, yeah. back, right. Yeah, and the only way that the Fantastic Four could figure out how to take care of those Skrulls was by hypnotizing them into thinking they were cows. Moo cows. Moo moo (laughs) cows Mm -hmm. that can blast you. Yep. Vision and his backup arrive, and the Avengers fight the fake FF. Inside the scroll craft, Captain Marvell frees himself, and Carol, wanting to be proactive, Marvell decides he must warn the Kree that the scrolls are on Earth. There's a lot going on there. A lot. Even in my brain. So much. To do that, he must create an Omniwave projector, a device used by Kree for communicating across the stars. But in the wrong hands, it is a weapon of terrible destruction. This is epic, classic comic writing. <laughs> yes, it is. And as I was reading this part, I was just like, this is classic comic book writing. Yeah. It's so awesome to finally see it. So, as the battle rages on outside the craft, Marvell learns that Carol is not who she seems, but is in fact the Super Scroll. Super Scroll takes out Marvell and blasts off with the Kree and two mutants as his captives, leaving the rest of the team behind. Well, again, Woo. a lot of stuff happening. Doing some research, you actually find out that instead of the title that was used, this Beachhead Earth, uh, Neil Adams actually suggested that the name of this issue should have been called the Three Cows Shot Me, me down. down. Yeah, broken up. Help me. <laughs> And it is fantastic. Yeah. That's that's what he originally well, wanted it called. Three cows shot me down. That's going to be the name of my first record. Well, right. Well, because he even goes on the on the very very last page of the paperback goes into why he why he to do did. That. Yeah, yeah. You know, like a lot of great stuff. A lot of great extras in the trade paperback. So it's definitely worth picking up. So we're going to leave a link in the show notes for this episode to where you can actually find a copy of the Kree Scroll War trade paperback, so you can own it yourself. I just want to say real quick, I'm very thankful that nothing ever came of the three cow scrolls milk, and there were no stories to be told with that, nothing at all. There was no sort of 
skull kill crew or anything like that. Are you implying something? I don't think he's implying no. anything. <laughs> I think he's insinuating mm-hmm. that there's more to yeah. what was going on with these scrolls when they were cows. So somebody milked. <laughs> I, exactly. The, the milk, they were milked like cows, but because they weren't really cows, so, that wasn't really milk. Question for you guys. So some farmer was like, I've got 90 cows. Now I have 93. Cool. Milk them all. Yeah. Well, maybe he was an old farmer and. Maybe. Eh, you know, three, I'm off by three. That's a pretty <laughs> That's good day. It's a pretty good seven. day. Close enough. <laughs> Close enough, uh, friends. I'm really happy Clerk showed up here. I actually really love the Super Scroll. Reading it and having him show up was super fun, especially when he's like, I don't need devices like those other three nerds. I'm the goddamn Super Scroll. Yeah, dude, no. He yeah, does all the, make a presence. Yeah, all awesome. the other scrolls have to use technology yeah. to mimic the powers, yeah. but he he's actually like, no, has the powers of, of the Fantastic Four. It's one of the reasons why I'm very excited now that the merger with Disney and Fox Disney yes. Marvel now has the Fantastic Four back. The the scrolls are being introduced in Captain in the in the film Captain Marvel, and maybe someday in a couple of years, maybe we get that you know Fantastic cross Four our story. cross our cross the fingers, we get Fantastic Four added into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and we finally get to see them go up against a super the Super Scroll. That is Clerked. a movie in itself, right? That's a movie in itself. That's a movie in itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. No, I agree. Introduce yeah. the Fantastic Four. Issue 94, More Than Inhuman. While sedating the last of the Kree, the Avengers have a brief chat with the Fantastic Four about the current situation. Vision, on the other hand, has boarded the Super Scrolls ship and briefly tangles with him in an effort to save the Inhumans from being destroyed. Thankfully, the Inhuman city is shielded, and Super Scroll decides to move on as they don't warn more time. The yeah. Vision escapes as Super Scroll tells Marvell his plan to offer him and the Scarlet Witch Quicksilver to the Skrull Emperor to end his exile. The Skrull Emperor defeats him and takes the three Avengers hostage anyway. Using the lives of Wanda and Pietro, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, <laughs> the Skrull Emperor convinces Marvel to give him what he wants, the Omniwave. Back on Earth, Kredic attacks the Avengers with Mandroids for betraying the Earth in the last panel the inhuman triton emerges from a manhole cover now to add so that, totally random right we the, get an inhuman popping up the mandroids were very interesting because they reminded me from gi joe oh. of their mobile pretty much attack armor suits uh-huh. not to be confused with iron man because these things looked more very more like robotic and stale where they were like hey it's a guy in, in a full body suit with right. very little movement that has weapons attached to it. Well, at this point in time in the comic books, Tony Stark, even though he wasn't developing weapons like, I'm developing weapons because I'm right. a weapons dealer, he was developing armament for S.H.I.E.L.D. specifically. Right. Uh, so To kind of help take down soups. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Bit. That was it's, like, oh, I can't as Iron Man do it, but you guys can do it as Shield, and it's cool, and keep my two lives separate. Well, you gotta, you also got to remember, back fields. then there weren't as many superheroes That's as true. there are now. Right. So Shield actually played a huge part in protecting the world. So when the the Avengers or the Fantastic Four or even the X Men couldn't show up to stop a big threat, you could send in Shield, and if it was a, a super powered be uh, bad guy, they could put on the Mandroid armor 
and be able to go toe to toe most of the time. And it's with, actually with who they who they were going up against. It's actually super creative because that's how you can kind of wrap in like, oh, what's well, so the Avengers can't be everywhere. Doesn't matter. Bad guys are still being thwarted because we have these dudes in these suits that can take on superheroes. So the Avengers don't have to be. Everywhere. Shield was very important, and I'm yeah. very disappointed. It's one of the big things I, I find disappointing in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like now that they got rid of Shield, right. I, I love the whole twist that Hydra, you know, grew again inside of Shield, and then there was the big thing, you know, in Winter Soldier. That was cool, right? But we never bring Shield back in the cinematic universe. We have the TV series. We have a small, dedicated crew who continue to uphold the values of Shield, and we have those agents of Shield. But they they no longer have any kind of backing from the government, and they know ha- they they don't have a, a presence. In the film universe. If only there was a podcast that covered Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, there is actually this great podcast called uh, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast that literally Real reviews. Original name. A very, uh, yeah, it's a very original name. It says exactly what it is. We will leave a link in the show notes to this episode to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. For anybody who loves the show, definitely check out the podcast. It's a, it, it is a hoot. When you, when, every time you see Craddock up to this moment, you, I'm just like, what an a hole! And how can a guy be this big of an a hole? I don't know if well, he has yeah. the same opinion, but I was just like, seriously, like at this point, you know, the Avengers are kind of only doing good, but it's like, oh no, we don't trust you because you let in an alien. And if the alien's bad or good yet, and this dude's already like, no. And I was just like, wow, they really like overmade him an overzealous a hole. You have to have that over the top human. I mean, you do character. To, well, it's the fear-mongering. Yes. It's the fear-mongering. I yeah. mean, that was very popular, very popular right. back in the 60s and 70s comic book storytelling because fear was everywhere. You you had hate-mongers yep. on your, on, living on your street. So to make things more real, you, you add a character like that every now and then to just hammer home how realistic sometimes those comic books tried to be. And on top of that, so this is the fear. It's like, okay, the Avengers, I felt like, weren't safe anywhere. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, man, you're on Earth. You're not safe. You're definitely not safe at your mansion because they know where you live. Right. And, like, the mob's there. So if you guys go home. No, no, no. no. The protesters. The protesters. Not mob. You're right. (laughs) The protesters are there. They know where you live. They're waiting for you. This guy's like, you come anywhere in the United States, we're going to get S.H.I.E.L.D. to come after you. So then the Avengers are in space, and you're like... Oops, it's not safe in space. Yeah, we're not safe anywhere. Radiation everywhere, and now these two other alien identities out there trying to go to war and kill each other. I was just like, these guys got nowhere to go. Well, one of the things that I that I kind of briefly glossed over in the notes was that uh, Super Scroll's plan backfires because once he lands, he's immediately attacked by his fellow scrolls. Yeah, listen, I've come to talk to the Emperor. I've brought him this. Yeah, I come bearing gifts. And they were like, no, you're yeah. under arrest, and we're, we have orders to bring you in, dead or alive. And he's like, and uh-oh. He beats the shit out of him. It's not until the Scroll Emperor himself uses a, um, like something similar to a Sue Storm invisible ball that surrounds him that he knocks himself out trying to break out of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. the Emperor just takes forgot- any temptation he was going to give him anyway. I forgot about that. He- <laughs> what a dick. He uses the, he uses the human torch flame. And it, like, burns out the oxygen inside it. Yeah, it turns into out. smoke, and he, he, yeah. he, he suffocates <laughs> to where he passes out. Yeah, yeah. Didn't think that went through. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of cool pages of uh, scroll fighting scroll, and it's fun. Issue 95, Avenger versus Inhuman. The Avengers dispatch the Mandroids because, thankfully, Tony Stark has kind of given Iron Man the old hint-hint. You know what I mean? <laughs> wink, wink. 
thanks Tony, and Triton convinces the Avengers to help him find Black Bolt. However, Vision refuses to go on this inhuman side quest because he really wants to get with Wanda. He really wants to save the fellow Avengers, is what I meant. Right, right. And so it's Goliath's idea to then split the team in two. The first team will be Captain America, Goliath, and Triton. And the second team will be Iron Man, Thor, and the Vision himself, and they're going to go into space. However, it kind of jumps over to Team A, and Captain America and the others find Black Bolt, and while they head back to the Inhuman Citadel, uh, we learn about Black Bolt and Maximus's backstory. While they're there, they're met by the other team, who has actually redispatched the Mandroids, because at first they were controlled by humans, but then they were remotely controlled, which why wouldn't you just do that in the first, anyway? It kind of um, seemed like something to fill the, the, the pages. Yes. After the second round with the Mandroids, the Vision rethinks his plan, and he decides to join with the other Avengers to help the Inhumans. Thor, with his magic teleportation hammer, then teleports the Avengers to the Himalayan city of the Inhumans. However, they can't immediately penetrate it until the other Avengers show up. Black Bolt says a word. The barrier comes down. There's a small skirmish. The Avengers quickly win. Black Bolt is put back in charge. Unfortunately, while all this is going on, though, there are some Kree there, and they manage to capture Rick Jones. And it's and so they weird. Escape with Rick off into space. Yeah, that part. That part was the the dome was a little bit weird. Like they they split into two teams and they're kind of like, yeah, we're gonna kind of split into two teams, but not really split into two teams. Let's just go do this humans thing, sort of. Then we'll go do back and forth. And then all of a sudden, Thor's like, well, I can just teleport us there with my hammer. Never does it again, <laughs> but that one time. Back then, Thor could right. open As, portals oh, okay. a Cause, lot because they kind of got rid of that. They did. They did later on. Later like, on in Comic Continuity, right. they, it, that that was written out. Uh, one of the things about this issue really doesn't do anything to progress the Kree Scroll War story, but it does progress the involvement that the Inhumans have with the Kree. Yeah, explain some Inhuman backstory. A, a little bit more. So for anybody that's an Inhumans fan, this this adds on to the flavor of what is the Inhumans and their connection with the Kree. But again, almost kind of felt like the majority of this issue was filler yeah. to buy time to get to the next issue. Well, especially because there's no real search for Black Bolt. He's like, we need to go get Black Bolt. I'm like, okay, we found Black Got Bolt. Got him. Okay. Yeah. It was like real yeah. easy to find They're Black like, hey, Bolt. Hey, you know what? He's a student costume walking in the streets. He's right here. Like, you guys looking for him? He's right there. He is. This guy right, yeah, here. right here? The quiet one. Yeah, yeah he's, that was, he's right here. He's at, the, he's at McDonald's. <laughs> he's hanging oh. out He's hanging out with a kid. Yeah, like still in costume. Yeah, that's right. He was hanging out with a kid. He was hanging out with a kid. It was so weird. And they're like, yeah, you saved the guy. <laughs> what? Okay, great. Hop right. on the plane. And we're going. Get on the plane. We're going. Yeah. And we're taking you home. Right. Oh, wow. Is that easy? Wow. And then, like, yeah, because like I guess they were kind of like, okay, we got this dome, we have this Inhuman city. If you don't know who the Inhumans are, here's a little bit of a brief background story. Here's yeah. kind of how they got. Well, the it gives powers. it gives a little bit of background on Black Bolt and his brother Maximus. Which you need it though, because once the shield comes down and Black Bolt walks in, all the other Inhumans shooting at the Avengers are like, whoa, that's Black Bolt down there. Cods gets him to hesitate, and if you wanted to knew that backstory, you'd been like, "Why they hesitate? Yeah, like, what's yeah, going exactly. on?" So it's like it was necessary, but it was still felt like filler. It was necessary so. for inhuman sake, but yes. not necessary not for, for Kree Scroll War yes. sake. For that one exact panel, they needed a huge backstory that lasted like three pages. It's like great. 
issue 96, The Andromeda Swarm. With the help of Nick Fury, the Avengers board a spaceship and head off to the Skrull homeworld. But once they get out of hyperspace, they find themselves face-to-face with the Skrull Armada. With some quick thinking and heavy hitting, the Avengers have the upper hand. Basically, Thor beats the shit out of stuff, and then I'm not sure who does the illusion. But basically, another fleet appear behind the Avengers ship to kind of make the scrolls a little weary. And then Thor goes and busts some heads. I mean, they all do, but Thor's a fucking god, okay? Let's get that out of the way. Right, he's flying through space, cousin Mjolnir. And just busting yeah. up ships. That was part of the cool part, because they're actually like, okay, who can survive in outer space? They're like, Vision sees an android, doesn't need oxygen. Cool. Tony Stark sees in a suit of armor and has oxygen in it. Cool. Oh, and there's Thor, who needs nothing because he's a god. That's and right. And they're like, what about the rest of the guys? Get in that ship. Get in <laughs> that like, ship. Stay in that so ship. you're like, damn, dude, Thor is, is the equivalent to the Vision and Iron Man. Like, damn. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, that's really all inspiring. You're like, damn, that's awesome. He is a god in a world of men. Yeah. So eventually the scroll emperor himself shows up on the screen and he kind of lays out his sinister plan because it's the classic supervillain monologue. Yep. I'm winning. Marvel's going to give me the Omniwave and I won't kill Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Fingers crossed. Behind <laughs> right. Mind. And is he doing it all through that, all through like tackling his daughter? Like, isn't he kind of like explaining the whole thing to his daughter? His daughter is there. Right. They're having like and an argument. She's actually kind of pleading, stop being such an asshole, dad. Yeah. And he's like, no, because I'm the emperor. <laughs> he's all butthurt because he had a daughter instead of a son. Oh, that's right. He, you know, because sexist, eventually right. when he steps down from power, it's going to be whoever marries his daughter, not, not, not his her, actual right. son becoming the emperor. So he even tells her, he's like, flat out, and I'm embarrassed I had a daughter. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, damn. What he, he's basically shut up, woman, before my, my emperor esqueness yeah. overpowers my fatherliness. However, though, even though he thinks he's gotten Marvell captured, Marvell has actually used his power wristbands for one of the multitude of powers that hasn't come up until this moment, <laughs> right? which is creating an illusion. There's a lot of yes. illusions. How, how convenient okay. that we didn't tell you about these illusion bracelets. Yeah. He fights off the scroll guards, frees Wanda and Pietro, and then they kind of fight the scroll emperor and all the scrolls are coming. You forgot about um, one key part. He's televising the whole thing. To, ever, yeah. to the Avengers, like, look what I have, and look what Marvel's doing. He's not one of you guys anyway. And then Marvel's like, aha, fooled you, and appears. And they're like, what? Cut the feed, cut the feed. And, uh, <laughs> and I thought that part was fantastic. And he's like, oh, God, cut the feed. <laughs> you fallen for my ruse. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I fooled you again. So the Avengers head off, and the Skrull Emperor sends a ship with a nuclear warhead hurtling towards Earth. Now, all the Avengers minus one are on the, space, the Skrull ship now. Goliath, who had stopped taking the Pym Serum a couple of days prior, is still on the original ship. And he chases after, and he breaks into that Skrull ship, which is piloted by three Skrulls. Yeah. Well, kind of under the orders of Captain America. Yeah, he says, stop that like, ship. Cap's like Goliath. No matter there, what. Yeah, like, no matter what, you have to stop the ship. And Goliath was like, understood, Cap. Right, right. Like, and it's it. ballsy, too, because yeah, this is a guy who no longer has... Those superpowers that he was relying on. And, yeah, right, it's a guy who's kind of going through an identity crisis, just had his heart broken, and it's just like, we need you to do one last huge thing for us, sacrifice yourself. And Goliath was like, yes, sir. For anybody that um, that kind of wow. poo-poos on Clint Barton, yeah, that, this story kind of here kind of shows that... He is a hero. He is a hero, despite the fact that he's mostly known for being able to shoot really well with a bow and arrow. Right. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's... I what the always f- like Legolas. 
<laughs> that to me, that's what that's what defines the hero. Is like that moment right there where he was like, "No second questions asked." Cap asked me to do something. I'm gonna do it. Let's go. It's like, damn, no, no second po- thought, no powers, no, no way no, out. No, but no, yes, sir, I've got it. No yeah. baggy, no going. Well, is there another way, Cap? There's gotta be another way. What well, else can do? Iron Man do it? <laughs> right. Like, what? what where's the, Thor? Teleport it. <laughs> like, no. He's like, I got it. Yeah, it's me. Cool. It's my turn to shine. So, Rick Jones is actually delivered to Ronan. And Roman likes his spunky spirit and decides to make him a slave. However, Rick mouths <laughs> no, off. His a little personal too often. slave. His personal slave. Personal slave. You forget about that. His yeah. personal. He goes. You're slave. gonna be my not just a slave. You're gonna be my personal. You're gonna slave. be my bitch. I like your yeah. spunk. You're gonna be my bitch. Uh-huh. I like you, kid. Do my bidding. But he's thrown in the same holding area as the Cree Intelligence Supreme, which I've already covered. Not going to cover it again. So where the Cree Intelligence Supreme then tells Rick that this was all a part of his master plan, and that. It's all about to unfold right here, right now, as Rick is pulled back into the negative zone where Annihilus is waiting for him. Because doesn't Rick even say, like, so your plan was to get captured? (laughs) And he was just like, yes, so you could be with me at my side. No, he says, uh, like, I think the reasoning he's like, Ronan was able to beat me was because I I didn't pay enough attention to him. That's yeah, he's like I underestimated him. Underestimated, yeah. yeah. That's right. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. this is this is. Rick does ask him like, "Hey, really?" Again, this is one of those issues where there's a lot happening. Although now we are finally we're in the thick of seeing the Kree Scroll War. Even though we're not seeing Kree fighting scrolls, right? We've got the Avengers fighting scrolls. We've got a couple of our characters involved in some of the Kree stuff. It's building up, and you. The artwork shows armadas of ships. Oh, Not just yeah. a few. It's like armadas of different now, ship Now, just sizes, imagine that in, in, on a movie screen. Exactly. Of those alien ships coming at you. It'd be like Star Wars. Yeah, it would be. It you would know, be they, like Star Wars. Yeah, it would be something out of Star Wars, Star yep. Trek, any mm-hmm. of those any great of those. star Combined franchises. Right. Yeah. Issue 97. The Avengers. Godhood's End. And with that, we leave you on a cliffhanger. Yes, we're leaving you on a cliffhanger because uh, we, we don't want to ruin the ending of this story for you. Uh, we figure if you've listened to this the entire time, you're interested enough to where you're going to want to go out and, and read the rest of it for yourself. We're the drug dealer. We're going to give you a big old taste. The next one is going to cost you. But we definitely recommend heading out and finding a copy of The Cree Scroll War. And if you're unable to find a copy of the Kree Scroll War, you could always do the Marvel Unlimited plan. I think it's like 10 bucks a month. Yeah, you're going to have yeah. it at your fingertips on your device of choosing. If you are a fan I, of the digital comics. Well, I mean, and one reason to, to do that, too, is because the paperback was kind of hard to find. Because it's not in, like, your local comic shop. They might have a hard time getting it. Well, we actually ordered it right when a new printing was uh, oh, coming th- out. Yes. Then that's why the shop didn't have it. Because yeah. I asked them. They are like, we, yeah, we were lo- We were looking from shop to shop all over the area, and nobody had it. And then we went online, and it's like, oh, they're getting ready to put out a new version of the trade paperback. How ironic that they're doing this just before the, movie, the yep. Captain Marvel movie comes out. That was our revisit of the Kree Scroll War. And I hope you got a good, sumptuous meal out of it. And I hope you buy the trade paperback or find it however you want for the dessert of that last sweet issue. But we want to know if there are any other major Marvel moments or storylines that you want us to revisit. Let us know by heading on over to our Twitter presence at MyBFPL. That's big fat pull list, but just the first letter of each word. And share any and all of your suggestions. Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel.
Now, yes, uh, <laughs> the character of Carol Danvers only shows up uh, twice in this story. And actually, the second time she shows up, she's incognito as the Super Scroll. So there's not a lot of Carol Danvers in this. She's a, she's a damsel in distress, quote unquote, really super scroll. Uh, yes, but but the super scroll is the damsel in distress, so right. it's okay. So, she's right. not really the damsel in distress, which is good, mm -hmm. which is good. But the real Carol Danvers has paperwork to do, and you're not going to mess it up. That's right. That's, you're a superhero or not. That's what you didn't see. She was she, at home she's, filing. She's still, she's still filing it in triplicate. But later on, Carol gets out of the office, away from the paperwork, and becomes a full-blown hero. Uh, taking on the persona of Miss Marvel. And there are plenty of great stories featuring Carol Danvers as the heroine, Ms. Marvel and Captain Marvel. And I just want to point out a handful of them. First Flight, which is actually the story uh, of Ms. Marvel from issue number one, 1977. Uh, Ms. Marvel explodes onto the scene in her superhero debut. Are her exploits somehow connected to Carol Danvers' blackouts? Uh, this is collected in the Miss Marvel epic collection, This Woman, This Warrior trade paperback. Earth's Mightiest Heroine from Avengers issue 183 back in 1963. Carol Danvers, Avenger. After helping the super team out of a few tight spots, Miss Marvel is offered official avengers membership now this story is collected in the marvel universe by john byron omnibus hardcover and then there is more current stories like captain marvel from 2012 carol finally assumes the mantle of her great mentor captain marvell and sets out to prove to the world that she's worthy of the title and this story is collected in captain marvel Earth's Mightiest Hero, Volume 1, trade paperback. And there's plenty of other stories. All of the books and issues that we've talked about in this episode will have links over in the show notes for everything that we've talked about during this episode. Mr. X, yes. question for you involving some X-Men. Oh. Carol Danvers as Miss Marvel. Yes. That's who Rogue got her powers from, correct? Uh, okay, wrong? yes. Uh, uh, I mean, I was... Like no, no, I said, you're not wrong. You are not I, wrong. I don't know why. That's what I was thinking of. Uh, funny thing. It's a funny story. So in one of the Avengers annuals, Chris Claremont was writing it, and he was basically told by editorial that we got to get rid of Ms. Marvel. We don't want her to die, but we got to get rid of her. So it's not so much we need a new character, it's we need to get rid of a character. Right, exactly. Huh. So he actually creates Rogue... Who can absorb powers. ...as a part of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants... And Rogue uses her powers and holds on too long, taking not only all of Ms. Marvel's powers, but then her, her personality, her persona as well. So then Rogue is plagued by Carol's consciousness. That's why wow. she actually joins she the become, X-Men, because become, she can't the control hero. all that stuff. Right. And eventually, uh, there, I mean, there's a lot of backstory where Rogue keeps on flashing in and out. And Carol will take over her body for a little while. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was really weird. And things weren't resolved right away. Right. I mean, uh, Carol does wake up, and then she gets a new set of powers and a new identity. She starts calling herself Binary. And it's not until uh, oh, the closer to the late 80s, early 90s that, that Carol actually gets back to the Ms. Marvel Right. Persona, and then and, eventually then, becomes Captain Marvel. But then Rogue doesn't lose her powers, which is kind of like the... Rogue eventually part. gets rid of that whole... 
right part. echo of her psyche, but right. no, she never loses her, her powers. powers. She right. still keeps. Yeah, she gets the the invulnerability, the flight, yep. and the super strength. Right. None of the none of the energy blasts. No, that, no, right. That Carol develops later on yes. and then keeps. So we know we dumped a lot of information on you. We hope you enjoyed this revisit to the Kree Scroll War. And remember, if there are any other major storylines you'd like us to revisit, let us know. But until next time, I'm Mr. X. I'm Smurfy. And I'm a Scroll Spy. I knew it. Until we figure this out, we'll see you next time, folks. That's our show, folks. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to subscribe on the podcast listening app of your choice. What he means is download and subscribe on every app possible. Have comments, questions, suggestions for future shows? Reach out to us at our website at mybigfatpulllist.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, keep your web fluid sticky. Your batarangs sharp. Ouch. And your space guns charge. That's not a space gun. That's Megatron. Share a kiss <gasps> while in captivity, but logic wins the day. No, I, I mustn't. I, I must not give in to these non-androidy feelings. Schwing. Robo swing. Did they ever talk about like big giant mechanical snossage? No. That she gets no. 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 No Brody. No. No Brody from All Rats. No. No Brody. No. No. That's that. That, that doesn't happen. Mm-mm. So can Mr. Fantastic stretch everything? Everything is the thing. Is his dork made of orange <laughs> rock too? <laughs> well, I mean, that's it's, Mallrats. It's from Mallrats. That's Kevin exactly Smith's from Mallrats. second movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's when one of the characters meets Stan Lee. That's all he wants to ask about. Is is, is superhero superhero sexual sexual organs. organs. Yeah. Found our Easter egg, folks.